0: Hey everybody, Sean here, obviously. If you have a Bible, find Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. We are going to be starting in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4. And as you find Ephesians 4, I want to say a few things. Number one, thank you for being on here. I know that this is not what most of us wanted. We want to be in person and be able to pray together and be able to express Uh, our love for each other through being together, having conversations, listening to each other's burdens. So thank you for being on here. I know that some of us uh, are on Zoom for meetings throughout the week for work, and then some of our students are on Zoom for hours at a time for school. So thank you for taking the time to be on here for sacrificing. This is not the way that some of us want to start our week, but it is what we have right now. And also I want to say I know that This is not what we planned on. This is not what we were hoping for. And so in this time of of continued search for what God has for us next, it is easy to become frustrated or discouraged. So I want to share with us uh, three, three truths really quickly by way of introduction before we get in. Three truths to remind us of right now. Number one, God is in control. There is nothing that is out of God's control. He is not surprised by this situation. He's not waiting for a moment where he can finally get involved. He is in control of everything. Number two, God is using this for our good. That's what the Bible tells us, that he works all things for our good. So we don't want to be in this situation necessarily, but we know that God is using this to make us more like Jesus. And then number three, God's plan is better than ours. We have plans to be in a building. We have plans to start worship services. Uh, If it were up to me, my plan was we'd already be in a building and we would already begin meeting there. But God's plan is always better than ours. He knows better than us. So I hope these truths encourage us when we are tempted to be discouraged. I hope that they help us press on when we are tempted to give up. I hope that we are reminded of God's faithfulness. When we are tempted to doubt, He is in control of all things and He is working things for our good, and His plan is always better than ours. Let's take courage. With that, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read it together. It says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received, with all hum- humility and gentleness, with patience. "...bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift." For it says, When he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. And what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, Let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come to you now um, tempted to be distracted, tempted to, to turn this off, and tempted to pull out our phones, and do other things. And so we admit that to you right now, and we ask that the miraculous power of your Holy Spirit fall upon us, that we may be able to concentrate. More than concentrate, that we would be able to learn. More than learn, that we would be able to live this out for your glory. We thank you, Lord, for all the gifts that you give us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... As we look at at Ephesians chapter 4, we are reminded, first off, what the book of Ephesians is is about. We have seen that Paul has, or we have learned from Paul rather, that what the gospel is. He has explained the gospel from different angles. So we understand that. Now he is about to tell us what to do. We have said this many times before, the first half of the book of, of Ephesians is all about the gospel. The second half of the book of Ephesians is all about living according to the gospel, how we live in response to the gospel. So this section that we are looking at today is very focused on how to live out our redemption, how we we show the gospel in our lives. And this one is talking, this passage here, is talking about how we do that in the local church, in the people of God. So as we study this, we are going to see two ways that we live out our redemption, two ways that we live out our redemption. Number one, we live out you live out your redemption by seeking unity. You'd live out your redemption by seeking unity. Look at verse two with me. It says, "With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Let me ask you, are there people in the church, whether it is Anchor Church or whether it is a church that you have been involved with in the past, are there people in there that are different from you? Are there people that you would not really spend time with if not for being in the same church? Are there people who... You see what they post on Facebook and you think to yourself, my goodness, who would ever post that? Are there people that have personalities that rub you the wrong way, maybe even annoy you? Well, that is part of being in the church. It comes with the territory. And as we study this passage, what we learn is that God does not create separate churches so that there will be this church for people of this interest and this church for people with this personality, and this church for people with this culture. Instead, God takes people who are vastly different, and he unifies them in one church. He makes them one in Christ in a single body. So if that's true, if we understand that from this passage, then we have a question to ask. How do we seek unity in the church? If we are unified How do we still seek it? So there is a way that this, multiple ways actually, that this uh, passage talks about. Now unity is something that you have to work at, isn't it? It's not something that comes naturally to us. So if you look at verse 3, Paul says, We must make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We have to make effort. We have to try at it. And then he tells us how to do that. Look at verse 2. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So he tells us how to pursue unity. If you want unity, you need humility. Now, humility is thinking of ourselves as we ought to. It is not thinking that we are better than we are. And if we have that, if we have humility, then we can't think that we are better than anybody else, no matter how different they are from us. And that leads to unity. Now, if you want unity, you will have to have gentleness. That's what it tells us. There are some of us who have a personality that is prone to harshness. You know, we tell it like it is. We call it like we see it. But this tells us that no matter what our personality, we have to handle people with gentleness. Have you ever handled a baby before? There's a certain gentleness in the way you do that, isn't there? You, you know that this baby is fragile, so you're tender with it. You know, you, you cradle it. You're soft with it. You don't treat a baby the same way that you do an eight-year-old. There's a gentleness that you care for a baby with. That is what this is like. We know that people are fragile, so we are gentle with them, and that leads to unity. If you want unity, he also says that you have to have patience. Now, have you ever thought this about somebody else, that you see them doing something and you go, Are you not past that yet? You should not be struggling with that anymore. Why don't you just grow up? Well, patience is understanding that all people are different. And that progress looks different in some people. That people are on different timelines. Patience is understanding that the Holy Spirit doesn't always work at the same pace in all people. Patience means that we can, we can bear with people when they are slow to do something, slow to change, which is hard. But we're called to be patient for the sake of unity. And then he says that if you want unity, you need to bear with one another. Now, this is similar to patience, but it, it's focusing on People with weaknesses and people who make mistakes. Weaknesses and failures. If you are in the church, you will be let down by other people. I'm just going to burst that bubble for you right now. You will be hurt by other people. You will be disappointed with other people. You will find that people make mistakes. You will find that... People, when they should be strong, they're weak, even in this church. And what we are called to do is bear with one another in those moments. We don't give up on each other, we stick together, and that leads to unity. And he tells us that we do all of this in the last part of the verse in love. We love one another. That's the motivating factor. We're not just doing this out of obligation. We are doing this because we have received the love of God and now we give love to other people. So that is why we do it all. Now, from this little list here, we can also see how to to seek division in a church. Do you want division? Then be prideful. Do you want division? Well, be harsh towards one another. Do you want division? Them be impatient with each other. Do you want division? We'll give up on other people. But that's not what we're called to. We are called to unity. That is what we are supposed to seek. Now, can you see how, if we are doing these things, how we are living out our redemption? We portray the gospel in our lives when we seek unity. We are showing people that we have been redeemed and how we have been redeemed. So think of how you have been treated. You were redeemed by a Savior who had great humility. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 tells us that Jesus humbled himself so much that he took on a human body. So think about that for a second. Jesus, who never had any restraints at all, who could do anything that he wanted, Gave up the glories of all of that and came and took on the constraints of a human body. And he did it so that we would be saved. You were redeemed in gentleness. Jesus says, I don't come to condemn the world. So Jesus did not come to flog us into holiness, he did not come to beat us into submission. Rather, he came in gentleness sharing the gospel of hope with us who were far from God. And in fact, he took the harshness harshness that we deserve on the cross. Jesus took the punishment for our sins so that we would then experience the gentleness of God forever. You were redeemed with patience. If God had grown impatient with you, you would have been vaporized long, long, long ago. If he had grown impatient with you, you would have been punished for your sins and you would not have survived. But God was patient with you. And in his timing, he turned you from a rebel against him to a child that is part of his family. And you were redeemed because God bore with you through your mistakes and your failures. In fact, Jesus bore your sin on the cross that you would be free, that you would stand guilt-free before God your Father and your judge. Jesus did that for you, and ultimately, you are redeemed in love. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he sent his Son to die in your place, that you would be in his family forever, all because he loves you. Do you see how that is living out our redemption? Do you see how we reflect the gospel when we live this way? That's what we're called to do. Seek unity. That is living out our redemption. So that's number one. Number two, live out your redemption by seeking maturity. Look at verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the good work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Just before this verse, Paul is talking about how amazing, how magnificent, how authoritative Jesus is. And then he said, Jesus himself, the one who is amazing, marvelous, magnificent, authoritative, that he gave these gifts to the church. And he names the gifts. They are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. In other words, he's talking about leaders in the church. They fill the role of opening the word of God, sharing, explaining, teaching, and applying the Bible. And he tells us why he gives us these leaders. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. He's talking about your ministry. Now, ministry is not something that the pastors just do. Ministry is something that everyone who is part of the family of God does. The job of the pastor is to equip you for ministry. Do you long to have a more intimate relationship with God? Do you wish that you were more like Jesus? Do you want to be more mature in Christ than participate in ministry? Now, I know that if you have been in the church for any length of time, you have heard this call over and over and over for volunteers in ministry. And it can begin to sound like an infomercial. Well, hey, if you act right now at the low, low cost of your energy and your effort and your time, well, what we can do is we can feel like people are trying to get something from us. Like they're playing on us. And we have heard it so many times before that we treat it like an infomercial. We just tune it out and wait for it to end. But I want you to hear this. You will never be mature in Christ until you are participating in ministry. You will never be mature in Christ until you are participating in ministry. You cannot be like Jesus who served you until you are serving others. One of the reasons that Jesus saved you was so that you would minister to others so that they would grow up into Christ, so that they would be more like Jesus. Do you believe that? Does that motivate you to do ministry more? We see here that we live out our uh, redemption by seeking maturity, specifically in ministry. But there's something else that we should see. Look at verse 14. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But... Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. For him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Paul has just spoken about the ministry of the leaders who open up the word of God with people. He's, here's what he's saying. When we learn the Bible... We grow up into Christ. We are no longer little children. Have you ever seen a little kid at the beach on a day where it's particularly windy and choppy? They play there in the waves, and eventually what happens is one wave, usually a bigger wave, will come from this direction, and it'll knock the child down, and then that wave will carry the child wherever it is going. And then a wave from this direction will come and it'll it'll hit the kid and then it'll take the kid wherever it is going. It'll push the child in that direction. This is kind of the picture that we're given here. You know, in that situation, the child is so young, so weak, that it really doesn't have the ability to control where they are going. This picture from Paul He is saying that when we don't know the Bible, that's what we're like. That every thought, every feeling, every idea that comes along, if we don't know the Bible, then we are just pushed along and we are dragged wherever those things are going. But we are called to something different. This is why one of our core values as a church is Bible saturation. We want everything we do to have the Bible in it. We want to teach the Bible. We want people to understand the Bible. We want to apply the Bible to our lives because that's how we grow up in Christ. Do you want to be mature? Do you want to grow? Well, then you have to be a person that is a creature of the Word, that is in the Bible, that is hoping to understand the Bible, that is hoping to live out the Bible in your life. We are not going to be a church that buys into the latest psychology, or the latest anthropology, or the latest sociology, or the latest philosophy. We are going to be a church that derives our truth, the truth, from the Word of God. And if we are ever not that, we will not grow up into Christ. But if we are learning the Bible, the Holy Spirit works in us to align our lives with the Word of God. Look at verse 15. It says that we are supposed to speak the truth in love. Now, have you ever heard this phrase before, speak the truth in love? Some people seem to use it as an excuse to be a jerk. They, they use it as a way to, to, to be rude, to be mean to people. Hey, your shirt is hideous. Just speaking the truth in love. You have a horrible taste in music. Just speaking the truth in love. You really need to reconsider your life plans, just speaking the truth in love. But think about the context in which this is spoken here. We are, Paul is talking about the Bible, right? He's talking about knowing the Bible. So when we speak the truth in love to one another, we are speaking the truths of the Bible to each other. That's the context. And then if you look at the context of chapter 4 within the book of Ephesians, it is placed right after Paul has explained over and over again the gospel. So when we speak the truth in love, we are speaking the gospel, the truth of the gospel to one another. And that is what, hap- that, that is what helps us grow in Christ. When we encourage one another to, to live in light of good doctrine, that is good, solid belief and truth in God, then we grow up to be more like Jesus. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to be in a church that is seeking that? Because this is not just for individuals. It's for us as a church. Look at verse 16. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Did you hear that? The whole body. It promotes the growth of the body by the proper working of each part. So let me sum this up. When we minister to each other with the truths of the gospel, we grow into maturity as individuals and as a church. Isn't that wonderful? Shouldn't that be something that we seek? That type of maturity? So when we do this, we are living out our redemption. That's what Paul tells us here. I want to close with this. I want you to think about this situation. Imagine that I tell you that I am a soldier in the military. And you say, oh, wow, that's that's really cool. So what do you do? Like, What does your day look like? I say, well, I, almost every day, I binge watch different shows on Netflix. I eat a lot of macaroni and cheese. Sometimes I get the mail, sometimes I don't. And then if I'm feeling really adventurous, I look up some funny cat videos on YouTube. You would say, but you're a soldier. So don't you ever go to work? Don't you ever do any work? No. Well, don't you do physical training? Definitely not. Do you have a commanding officer? Never heard of it. What branch of the military are you in? I don't know. At some point, you would come to the conclusion that I am not really a soldier in the military. Right? And you would be correct in, in that conclusion. And here's why. Because my life, my actions tell you something different. My uh, my actions and my claims are not aligned. I am not living out my claim. So for us, in the same way, if we have been redeemed, it would be incredibly silly if our lives didn't match up. We are called to live out our redemption. We are called to reflect the gospel by our lifestyle. And we are told here that there are two ways that we do that in the local church. By seeking unity and seeking maturity. I want to be in a church like that. I want to be someone who is pursuing what we are called to pursue in Scripture. I know you do too. So let us be people that live these things out. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we... We know that when we read stuff like this it sounds really easy and even at the beginning of this church it may be pretty easy but we also know that the time is coming where this will be very hard for us. That we will be tempted to divide. That we will be tempted to lose our unity. So help us God. Help us to be unified in the mission that you have given us. We are tempted to grow lax in seeking maturity. We are tempted to be complacent with where we are in Christ. So help us. Motivate us to want maturity, to desire to be more like Jesus, to grow into Christ's fullness. Lord, help us love each other. Help us sacrifice for each other. Help us to build each other up that we may all as individuals be more like Christ and then we as a church would reflect the gospel. That's our desire, Lord. So let it be by the power of your spirit that this happens. We ask all of this for the glory of Jesus. Amen. All right, thank you again for tuning in and watching this. We will hopefully have some more news as the situation progresses with our building. So uh, watch out for that. Again, I want to repeat our mission. Our mission is to see lives transformed by the gospel. That is just the Great Commission rephrased. And then our vision is to see redemption and restoration in our homes, our churches, and our communities. So if you want to give to the church, you can visit anchorfreeport.com. You'll be able to give on there. Continue to pray for our building search committee as they are working extremely hard to find a place for us. Pray that we would be patient. Pray that we would be wise as God directs us. And pray that we would recognize His providence wherever it is. I love you guys. Hope to see you soon.